When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hi, you have reached the Atlas Obscura podcast line. Leave me a message about a strange, unusual, or surprising place that happens to be near where you grew up or where you live now. Hi, uh, my name's Katie, and I'm calling about the bronze statue of a goat in downtown Spokane that is also a machine-operated vacuum. And you have an entry about the goat on the website, but it doesn't mention that the goat was actually welded by uh, the welding nun, Sister Paula Turnbull. And um, I just think it's she has such a fun story, and the goat is such a staple and it's such an icon in Spokane, my hometown. And I would love for you guys to do just a deeper discussion of the famous garbage goat. Thanks so much. Katie, thank you for the call. And you are absolutely correct. We have an entry on the website for the garbage-eating goat. It was added by user Badgers of Doom. But there was no mention made of the welding nun, Sister Paula Mary Turnbull. It's a pretty big oversight. So I think we're going to take this episode, and we're going to correct that. But first, we're going to need to explain the garbage-eating goat itself. The goat is a sculpture made out of copper and brass. It's got metal ears, metal horns, a little metal beard. It's all welded together. And as Katie mentioned, it also, (laughs) this is really the best part about it, it also has a vacuum inside of it. A vacuum that inhales every single piece of trash you feed it. Paper, plastic, food, apparently mittens if you're not holding on to them. And this strange trash vacuuming goat has been helping keep Riverfront Park in Spokane, Washington clean for over 40 years. Ever since it was first installed for the 1974 World's Fair. Well, I saw the goat the year it went up. You know, for the for the expo. This is Tom Keefe. He's in his 70s now, and he can remember that fair. The theme of the 74 Expo was ecology and environmentalism. And the garbage-eating goat was a kind of clever idea to eliminate litter. The kids at the fair absolutely loved it. You know, it was cool, and it was fun, and it was one of the things, you know, other than running up next to a fountain and getting squirted, it was something the kids did, you know, during Expo. And Tom, 
is also very familiar with the artist who made the goat, Sister Paula Turnbull. Sister Paula and my mother have been friends, you know, for 75 years. My mother was an only child of an Irish immigrant woman, and and she and Paula's paths collided in seventh grade at the Holy Names Academy in Seattle. And they immediately became the best of friends. Paula's father was this kind of big character. He was a U.S. customs agent during the Hoover administration back in the 1930s. Paula had this great life with her dad who had this terrific job and a big motor car with a rumble seat on it and stuff. And so Paula's dad used to take her to Mount Rainier or to out to the ocean to dig clams and take off on these uh, two or three day excursions. And Paula negotiated that she didn't just want to go out there by herself. She wanted to take a friend along, and it was always little Annie Murphy. And so that's my mom's childhood memories included all of these great adventures with her, her buddy Paula, you know, whose dad was just a big-time guy. Both Tom's mother, Annie, and Paula really enjoyed making art in high school. But it was Paula who just excelled as an artist. Every girl that I know that went to Holy Names Academy or to a Holy Names school had a good foundation in art. But, you know, and some of them just were exceptional, and Paula certainly was. I remember one time my mom uh, was talking, I was talking to her about Paula, and, and she said, you know, when we were seniors in high school, Paula told me she was going to take the vocation and join the order. And I begged her not to. I begged her not to. Tom's mother, Annie, was worried that she'd lose her adventurous friend, Paula, to this quiet, holy life. Well, Paula did join the order in 1941. But she never stopped pursuing her art, either. She earned a degree at Parsons School of Design in New York and got a master's in fine arts from Siena Heights College in 1956. Paula Turnbull, now Sister Paula, was really committed to continuing her life as an artist. Literally, people from around the world would commission her to do stuff. And then my mom kind of slips back and goes, yeah, and look what I knew. Paula got to travel all over the world and become a famous artist. And I just sat around in Seattle having babies. <laughs> now, if you're imagining Sister Paula as sort of a stereotypical nun wearing the long black tunic, the traditional habit, that's not quite it. Well, first off, she is. She was a hipster. I mean, you know, she was a hip, hip person. And it wasn't very long into her career as an artist. She thought, this is nuts. I'm not going to wear this stuff at work. And so she started dressing down, put on a sweatshirt or something. And uh, she, she uh, a deeply spiritual lady, but she was like wearing it on her sleeve. You know, she was, she just, I mean, she, it was in the work. And the work for her was, you know, taking people and bringing them along with your artwork to bring them to a, a higher appreciation of life. If you visited Sister Paula in her studio, the outfit you would most likely see her wearing was her welding gear. Her metal sculptures were her most popular works. And to this day, you can find a number of Sister Paula sculptures all around town. There's a metal Sasquatch at the community college. There is a bear at the local high school. 
and a number of metal artworks at various churches and schools in the area. Sister Paula also taught sculpture and art history for 25 years at Fort Wright College in Spokane. She told the local paper, I am an artist because I can't not do art. And according to Tom Keefe, that's about right. She was always making art. When it came time for lunch, Paula said, told me one time, you know, I never liked small talk. I never liked it. So there's just nothing in it for me. And so when it came time for the lunch break, she would take this little portable easel she had. She'd walk outside wherever she was, and she'd do like a little five by seven or so, uh, uh, either oil or watercolor or sketch. Tom bought a number of Sister Paula's pieces throughout the years. And even though she did a lot of paintings and works in clay, it is her metal sculptures that are the trademark of the welding nun. We spoke to Tom on a video call, and he showed us a work that he owns. It's a two-foot-tall sculpture of a witch on a broom. That's the witch from uh, The Wizard of Oz. But it's made out of copper, and he's got, like, little copper hair and stuff. She used to cultivate... She used to cultivate electricians so she could get the little four-inch and six-inch snippets that were left over after an electrical job. And whenever they did anything out of the convent, I mean, she always made sure the copper came her way. Back in 2003, Tom's mom, Annie, came to visit Spokane. And the two of them went up to Sister Paula's studio, which was, by the way, on the grounds of the convent. And Sister Paula would sometimes host a life-drawing class there, where a live nude model would pose for students to draw. Paula was giving her a tour of the studio. And she says, Ann, now right here is a table where I have the nude set. So uh, one semester it'll be a nude female, and the next semester it'll be a nude male. I said, well, let me go get some of the sketches. And Paula leaves the room. And I look, and my mom's eyes look like saucers. And she goes, Mr. and Mrs. Turnbull would not approve of this. And I just laughed, and, I, and afterwards, a couple days later, I, I told the story. I couldn't keep it from Paula, you know. She and I both loved my mom, but we had no secrets between us. And I told her, I told her what happened. I said, yeah. And so she said, Mr. and Mrs. Turnbull would not approve of this. And Paula looks at me and laughs and says, my dad wouldn't have cared. <laughs> so, that was just, a, that was just a, a real Paula moment, you know. Since my dad wouldn't have cared. After Tom's mother, Annie, passed away in 2012, he and Sister Paula continued to stay close. Not only was there the connection with his mother, but Tom felt a little bit like the son she'd never had. Sometimes they'd head down to Adorti's, a local pub, for lunch and a glass of wine. And other times, he'd go just to watch her work. And when she's in her 90s, I could go over to her studio. She'd be there with her welding torch and her goggles, and she'd be bending some piece of copper and working on some life-size statue or some other representational piece of art. And she talked to her art when she was making it. I mean, it was like she was creating those are children of hers. I mean, she was really just an unbelievable lady. Sister Paula passed away in 2018. She was 97 years old. And like any good artist, if you look at the body of work she left behind, you'll see her spirit there, embodied in 
each and every piece. But you look at uh, uh, at the statues that she did and the different gates that she did. She put a lot of love into it. Uh, none of her work was frivolous. All of it had a purpose. And uh, I think it was an extension of the spirituality. And the thing that I really thought was cool about her was she managed to take a vocation and bend it like a piece of copper to fit the ambitions that she had for her own life. And, well, the garbage-eating goat may not be Sister Paula's most complicated piece of art. It remains her most famous work. And it's still there, cleaning up the litter in the city that saw Sister Paula shine. Through that all, through the good times and the bad times, the goat held his ground. He's there in his little grotto. He's waiting, you know. Then if you got a piece of trash you want to get rid of, he's there to help. Thank you to our listener, Katie, for sending us the voicemail. Katie, by the way, if you go to that entry now, we have added Sister Paula's story. We got you covered. And many thanks to Tom Keefe for sharing all of his stories about his mom and the talented welding nun, Sister Paula Turnbull. As a reminder, we also want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail at 315-992-7902, or you can record a voice memo and send it to us at hello at atlasobscura.com. Tell us about a wonder in your own backyard or some magical place that you've traveled to. We can't wait to hear from you. Finally, last thing, please, if you're enjoying the show, rate and review it. We want to hear your feedback. We would love to know what you're thinking about a given episode or the show generally. This episode was produced by Manolo Morales. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thurist, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.